we are so grateful just to be in your presence, to have the opportunity to worship the God of the universe. Just, there's just this sense of awe of just, we know God like this much. We just get to, a taste of who he is. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. The reason why it's taste is because that's about all we can take. Any more of that and we're dead. <laughs> Our bodies can't even handle it. Oh, we serve such a good father who loves us so much. who has his hand on each one of us, the same God who created the stars, who sent his son for us. God, that we can worship you, that we can come into your presence, that we can be with you, that we can be your children. Lord, I pray that we would never lose the wonder of who you are. That we would always wonder who you are. That every time we see you, we would see a new facet, a new understanding of who you are. That as we gaze into your eyes, they would say, I've never seen that God before. Never seen that side of God before. And then we would fall on our knees. Just, I just see this, this the picture of what's happening right now in the heavens, in the throne room. We have elders around the throne. Every time they see this new facet of who God is. They cast their crowns before the throne. And they just cry out, holy, holy, holy. God, that we would know how holy you are. Lord, in this place of worship, when we come into worship, we literally come into the throne room of grace. We come into your presence. Lord, we worship you. You alone. There is no other. There is no other. Oh, Lord, we just worship you. Out of time and space, we just worship you. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, Lord, we just worship you. God, that our eyes would never come off of you. Lord, have your way in our lives. Have your way in our hearts. May we become worshipers of you day in and day out. Give us a heart of David. 
Oh, that we would dance before you. That we would desire you all the days of our lives. All the moments of the days of our lives. Oh, may we never lose that wonder. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. We glorify your name. We worship you. You are worthy of all our praise. All our praise. Can we just, can we just, just give him our praise right now? Just give him our praise. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. We worship you. We thank you. give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. I just felt, I just want to encourage you just, man, when you come into a place of anxiety, fear, just start to praise Him. And it just shifts the atmosphere. It just shifts everything. It shifts your heart, but it shifts everything around you as well. Well, I'm curious how many made it through who were here last night. How many of you are here this morning? How many of you are nice? Wow, I am very impressed. (laughs) Because it was a late night last night. It was a late night on Friday night. It was a late night on Thursday night. So you guys are awesome. Uh, I'm thinking there'll be a lot of people at the 11 because I know people were exhausted. The rest of my family, they did not make it to the 9 o'clock this morning. (laughs) They're all crashed out. Uh, But we had an amazing time. This this conference was was like no other. Uh, God showed up like never before. And it was just a powerful, amazing time. If you you did miss it, we're going to we're going to have, we're going to put it on our website and uh, we're going to just make it free for everyone. We just, this is something we just want to get out to people. Uh, so it should be on probably within the next two weeks. Uh, we're going to shoot to get it on earlier, but no guarantee. Uh, but then once you get it, I would encourage you to, for those of you who were at the conference, get it out to other people as well. I just feel like there's something, I know there's something just special that uh, this needs to get out, this word needs to get out. There is, uh, you know, we talked about this convergence, power, love, and wisdom, and, and then we just ended with this, this family, this idea of family. And the power, love, and wisdom in this convergence is the kingdom family. This is the family of God, and this is how the family of God operates. So anyway, encourage you in that. A um, few quick things. 
next week we have Jake Hamilton is going to be here. Um, so you won't want to miss that. I know it's a Super Bowl. You won't miss the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't even know who's playing some teams. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> uh, the following week, on Saturday, February 10th, I want to challenge every man to be at this conference. It's, a, it's just all day, it's all day Saturday. And uh, w- the plan was we are going to have Corey Russell there. And then um, slight change of plans. We're still going to have Corey Russell there. But we're also going to have Alan Hood there. And I don't know if you know who Alan Hood is. But um, amazing man. He's actually a father to Corey Russell. He, uh, he, Corey was kind of under his guidance and, and just mentorship and leadership and Corey texted me, and when we were going back and forth, he's like, hey, do you mind if Alan Hood comes to the conference? I was like, yes, <laughs> of course. And so uh, uh, he just said, he texted back, and he said, hey, he goes, you need to have every man at this conference. And then he put in parentheses, he said, and I never say this. So I want to encourage you, uh, you can sign up in the foyer and actually, if you sign up today, you get a free breakfast burrito with uh, the stinging good green chili on it. And so it is amazing. So, uh, <laughs> so sign up today, you get, the, you get the burrito, and you get to come to a conference on the 10th, which is going to be phenomenal. And then on the 11th, that's Sunday, Corey Russell is going to be speaking as well. So uh, I think I've covered it all. Yeah. Well, we've got a special treat. Uh, David Wagner is in the house, and uh, tell you what, can you guys all stand up and just give him a huge welcome? We love this brother so much. This is second time in the house, and I think there'll be many more, uh, just a, a friend of the family and just an amazing man. By the way, we want to bless him. I, I, I just want to make the announcement now. We're going to have buckets in the back, and uh, you can just make your checks out to the rock. But everything that goes into those buckets uh, will go to bless this brother and just the ministry that he's doing, and, and well worth it. I guarantee it. promise you that. So, Well, good morning. And uh, I feel like I just saw some of you a couple hours ago. And uh, I survived the altitude and the dancing. Uh, I was content just to be on the front, and Scotty Wilson pulled me up on stage, and I don't know what happened. I started rapping and (laughs) singing and prophesying, and it's all quite a blur. And uh, I hope those certain things get erased and some of your ears get healed. But nonetheless, it's uh, exciting to be with you in the house. I'm like David when he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. There, there's no place like, lo, uh, like the local church, in my opinion. I, I travel around the world. I'm on the road about 250, 275 days a year, uh, and there's nothing like being at home in a local church. Amen? Jesus said that he would build his church, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And so I want to be a part of what the gates of hell can't prevail against. And so it's just exciting to be with you, with, with, uh, with Mike and Christy and, and just the Rock family. Uh, it feels like coming home, not just coming to visit or, or a conference. Uh, there, there is uh, a rumbling in the spirit. There, there is something 
happening in the atmosphere of heaven that is converging in the earth. And uh, I believe this, although God can do it without you, he refuses to do it without you. I know what I said is not very passive. I know what I said may rattle your cage a little bit. But listen to this again. God can do anything he wants to without us, but he really refuses to do everything without us. Right? He, he could, he, with one breath of his nostrils, one breath of his mouth, everything can change. One point of his finger, demons come screaming out. One point of his finger, cancer leaves and all of those things. But, but he chooses to allow you to be the extension of that finger, to be the, the wind in that breath. I'm going to say something that's maybe controversial. You're the only need that God has. You're the only need that God has. How many know he was complete in himself before the foundations of the earth? He was Father, he was Son, he was Holy Spirit before the foundations of the earth, complete in himself. And he risked reputation, he risked everything by creating an earth that he knew beforehand would fail. He risked reputation. He risked everything to create a man named Adam who beforehand he knew he would fail. Now if I'm God, and you're going to be glad that I'm not, if I'm God and I know beforehand what I'm going to create is not only going to fail but break my heart, I'm not doing it. Or if it is some kind of great heavenly experiment that I create and man fails, I'm wiping the whole thing out and nobody will ever know about it. It tells me something about the amazing awesomeness and this reckless love of God that we've been singing about all weekend is, is that redemption was not God's plan B. It didn't come after Adam and Eve fell and he's like, oh my goodness, now I've got to come up with a plan for redemption. Redemption has always been God's plan A for one purpose, relationship. How many know the angels fulfilled the realm of worship? They were, they were singing around the throne. They, they were there. They were his created beings. And they're singing holy, 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 and holy. All of those things. He wants our worship, but it wasn't something that he, he needed. What he wanted was sons and daughters. And he was willing to bankrupt heaven to, to get you. Before the foundations of the earth, he knew you and called you by name. He, he knew what you would do. He knew every mistake you would make. He, would knew your, he knew your failures and your successes, and he chose to create you anyway. It blows my stinking mind. When you sing a song like we just sang, it rocks my world. 
It really does. And, and I think this, the moment that becomes familiar, the moment that doesn't make you cry, the moment that doesn't do something on the inside of you, the moment the very presence of God, it, you're, you become numb to it. And you need to check your pulse and your heartbeat. Because the God of the universe is here. Isaiah 66 verse 1 says it like this. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. But who will build me a house? Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. But who will allow me to possess them? Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool, but who will allow me to dwell in them? The season of visitation is over. The season of casually coming in and then going out. The, the, the season of just going from conference and that was great and check it off my, my list. I got another prophetic word and I got hands laid on me and I received the Father's blessing. All of that is wonderful and I hope we do it every day and every week and all of those things. But, but can I tell you something? The, the God of the universe who loves you and gave himself for you wants more than that. He, he is not content and he will not relent until he has all of you and even something greater. He will not relent and he he will not repent and he will not be content until all of him possesses all of you. My prayer this morning is that our legacy in the house of God, our legacy as the family of God, our legacy as sons and daughters of God would be this. That we were people possessed by God. That his breath became our breath. That his words became our words. That his love became our love. That his life becomes our life. It is a season where God is bringing us into this awakening of it's not God out there and I'm here. It's God who's there but he's also here. Who's bringing me from here to there. Not somewhere in the sweet by and by but in the right here and now. We quote this scripture in 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, in nine, it says, um, it says, no eye has seen, nor ear heard all the things that God is preparing for those who love him. And normally we stand in front of, behind a casket and we're preaching a funeral and we say, Sister Mary, Sister Bonnie, brother Bob is, is now in that place where no eye has seen and no ear has heard. And that's all right. Those are amazing words of comfort. But I don't think it's talking about the sweet by and by. I think he's referring to the right here, right now. God wants you to see what you've never seen. He wants you to hear what you've never heard. He wants you to know what you've never known. He wants you to do what you've never done. I believe the rock is becoming God's resting place. How many know when God rested, he rested, but he wasn't tired? He rested because it was done. He could have created everything with one word, with one point of his finger, in one day, in one second, one minute, one, however you want to look at it. But he chose to do it a, 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 through a process of six days to show us that there is this process to life. 
And on the seventh day, he rested. I don't think he rested from, I believe he rested upon. And I believe the Lord's about to bring us as the people of God into this place of rest. It's not resting from, it's not inactivity, it's not just hanging out in a hammock and sleeping in on Saturday, but but it is actually resting upon. Resting upon his goodness, resting upon his promises, resting upon all the things that he's done. I believe this, when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, he meant it's finished. I feel an it is finished in the room today. The struggle you're going through, I hear the it is finished of God. There's a new prophetic realm that God wants to open up here today. It's revelation that brings rest. It's revelation that brings restoration. It's revelation that brings redemption. You, you will not know. You, you will really not understand or be able to receive restoration without a revelation. And there is a new revelatory realm that God wants to open up. I believe that this is going to be a year of prophetic encounters, not just for a few, but I believe every one of you are about to step into a new realm of dreams and visions and hearing the voice of God. There is this, new, there is this place of awakening, being awakened by the, the voice of the God who loves you. I think we complicate things I have one of my sons named Josh. I shared about him at the conference. He was born dead with the cord wrapped around him, didn't breathe for five minutes. He is my miracle boy, and he's amazing. He's a dreamer, and he, he's loud. He loves to talk, and, and he likes to go on dates with me. We just call them, you know, he just calls it. He says, Dad, uh, after school today, can we have a Starbucks date? And, and I said, sure, let's have a five-bucks date. And, uh, and, and we, uh, and, and so we, we, we go, and, we're driving, it's about maybe 12 minutes from my house. And, and halfway there, he's not saying anything. He's just smiling, he's looking at me and looking out the window. And, and he's normally very talkative, talking about everything. And, and so we're halfway there. I say, Josh, everything all right? He said, oh, it's great, Dad. I said, how, how come you're not talking? He said, Dad, sometimes I just like being with you. And you don't even have to say anything. And I hear your heart. And I said, that's revelation, man. Revelation is actually just being so close to God that even when you feel like he's not saying anything, you're hearing what his heart's saying. We got to Starbucks and we started talking and I said, you know, has God been speaking to you? He said, oh yeah, dad, a lot. And I said, what do you think really, you know, prophecy is and revelation, the stuff your dad does, what, what do you think? He, he goes, oh, dad, he said, you know, if I had a conversation with you, I talked to you, Dad, if I asked you something or I said something to you and you didn't respond to me, you'd be a really, really bad dad. But if I ask you something, you give me an answer. If you don't know the answer, you find it out. If I talk to you, you don't just nod your head, but you, you actually speak back to me. That's how it is with God. And he said, I think the problem with people is that God, it's not that God's not talking, it's just that we're not hearing And a 12-year-old boy said these words, Dad, the secret is listening. And there's a Psalm 40 anointing dropping in the room right now. To come to the place to incline your ear, 
to engage with God. Right now, there is a prophetic realm, and that prophetic realm is not just coming to bless you. It's not about future and fortune, but it is about life and death. It is about, uh, it, it is about destiny and purpose. It is about the things that God is doing in the earth today. I believe this. That, that God is about to release an anointing of the prophetic upon you. You're going to know what it was like when Moses and Joshua, the son of Nun, were in the tent of meeting. And the spirit of prophecy fell. Remember that? Everybody in the tent starts prophesying. A few guys go out, they walk down the street, and they find that everybody's standing in their own house, all prophesying. And they get a little offended because those people didn't come to the meeting. They didn't pay their tithes and their offerings. They weren't a part of the worship set. They didn't pay the conference fee. But all of them received the benefits of what was happening in the presence. And they come chucking back. They come running back. Moses, Moses, everybody's in their own tents. They're all prophesying. Make them stop. They didn't pay the price we paid. They didn't listen to your sermon. And Moses says these words in Numbers eleven twenty nine. 29. Oh, if all of God's people were prophets. I'm telling you right now, what's about to hit the rock is about to hit Castle Rock and Douglas County and Denver and the whole of Colorado. I believe what's about to come upon you is going to be a spirit. And all of a sudden, people are going, to, are going to reap the benefits of what you've sown into, what you paid the price for, for years. That's good news. Amos 3 and 7 says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he speaks it first through his servants or his friends, the prophets. It tells me this. There's certain things that haven't happened yet because you haven't spoken them yet. I know some of you may be waiting for a word from me, but what if I were to tell you that your miracle is actually in your mouth today? What if you actually receive the fullness of the fact that God has called you to be a prophet to your own life, to, to your own family? I don't think it's about getting a word, I think it's about becoming a word. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he speaks it first to his servants or his friends, the prophets. Then verse 8 comes. A lion has roared. When you declare what God is saying, whether you whisper it, you write it down, you shout it in a microphone, you record it, however it comes out of you, the lion of the tribe of Judah lets out a roar of revelation. What happens next? A lion has roared. Who will not fear? What's missing in the earth today? The fear of the Lord. The awe of God. The wonder of God. There is a prophetic voice that God is raising up in the rock. And what's going to happen is it's going to begin to turn hearts. It's going to turn hearts of fathers to children, children to fathers. It's going to begin to turn the hearts of a community back to God. Dave, is this just some kind of wishful thinking? Is this a, no, no, no. I'm prophesying to you this morning. 
I'm telling you that you're on the cusp, you're on the edge. You're actually arriving in the place called promise. You've contended for it, you believe for it, you've prayed for it, you've sowed into it. But there comes a day where you actually step into it. A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. And he ends verse 8 with a question. Who can but prophesy? In other words, who's exempt from it? In other words, who is unable to? And I'm telling you right now, the Lord is about to release the gift of prophecy. I believe he's about to release the spirit of prophecy. And I believe the Lord is about to release the anointing of prophets. Prophets are going to begin to emerge and arise out of this place like never before. Prophetic voices are coming out of the caves. They're coming out of this place of, uh, where religion has held them back and, and people and things have held them back and they're about to engage like never before. Come on, I believe this. You're becoming what God said. You're becoming what God said. I would revisit the prophetic words that have been spoken over you for, for all of the years of your existence, for all the years that the rock has existed. And I believe this, you're going to watch them lined up like dominoes and begin to fall in place. They're going to fall on the heel, one on the heel of another, of another, of another, of another, of another. And there's going to be like a three-year domino effect. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now that God is setting you up to do something, to, to see everything that he said come to pass. It's that time. It's that season in the earth. It's, it's, it's not something that's coming. It's something that's here. You know, there, there's moments in prophets that, that you hear prophetic voices and it's always, I'm about to, God's about to, God's about to, God's about to. I'm telling you right now, it's not going to be an about to. It's going to be, this is what God is saying. How, how long did it take? How long did it take in the beginning when God said, let there be, how long did it take for light to cover the earth? 24 hours? 24 minutes? 24 seconds? 24 milliseconds? I, I think it happened at the speed of his voice. As soon as he said, let there be light, light covered. And I'm telling you right now that the light and the sound of his voice, we're stepping into a now moment. We're stepping into a now moment. There is a John the Baptist anointing coming upon this house. You are a church of forerunners. You're not a church that fits in the box or the patterns of some other movement. That there is something unique about you. There is something destined inside of you to, to release something. It says these words in Matthew 3 and 1. In those days, John the Baptist went forth preaching in the wilderness of Judea, declaring, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the one that the prophet Isaiah spoke about when he said there would become one first that would, would prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. People don't talk about the second coming much. I'm not a doomsday prophet and I'm not one trying to predict when Jesus is coming back. But if John the Baptist was the forerunner for his first coming, what if God is putting an anointing on us to be the forerunner for his second coming? 
to be a voice crying out in the wilderness. In 2006, I met Heidi Baker for the first time. We're in a tent meeting on, on, on the front lawn of a house in Connecticut. All of these people, they didn't, they didn't understand in this whole region of Fairfield County, there, there was no prophetic, there was no supernatural, it was just kind of, uh, just people existing. And my friends put this tent up and crammed 800 people in a tent on a front lawn. Cars parked up and down the roads. And I, I was there a little bit early, I, I, I kind of make fun of it, I, I said I was Heidi's opening act. Uh, and, and Heidi got there early, which never happens. I got there early, which almost never happens. And we had this hour in front and we were praying for each other and I was prophesying to her. And she starts weeping. And she said, oh, David, God's called you to be a voice crying out in the wilderness. She said, your wilderness looks different than my wilderness. In my wilderness, the blind are everywhere. They're there's no eyeballs in their sockets. They are completely blind. But in your wilderness in America, your wilderness in New York, your wilderness in Florida, your wilderness in Chicago, your, your wilderness wherever you go, people are seeing, but they're never perceiving what I'm doing. They have 20-20 vision, but they're blind. Where I live, the deaf are everywhere. They, they can't hear, they can't communicate. But, but in your wilderness, there are people that are always hearing but never come to the understanding of the truth. In my wilderness, the poor are everywhere. They are naked, they are wretched, they are filled with disease, they are hungry. But in your wilderness, they are wearing Armani suits, they are driving Mercedes Benz, they, are, they have everything together. They are living the American dream, but, 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 but they are poor, they are wretched, and it's like they are dead. And she just began to cry out these words, will you be a voice, will you be a voice, will you be a voice crying out in the wilderness? And I'm telling you right now, the Lord is coming to provoke us to be a voice. I don't think we have the luxury of waiting for another. God's chosen you to do something new. That's what revival is. God's chosen you to do something new. It's not about a meeting, but, but it's about a movement. It's not about a person, but, but it's actually about the, the people of God stepping into who they are. Come on, there, there's something stirring. And that John the Baptist anointing is coming on you right now. I, I either receive it right now or I just run out of here. Because it's going to fall on you either way. Jesus said in John 10, my sheep know my voice. Listen, you're about to know that you 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 know you heard God. Proverbs 18 and 21 says that the power of death and life are in the tongue. You know what we use that for? We, we use it to say, you better watch your words. You better be careful what you say to people. I, I think that's good. I, I think it's true. But I, I think that applies to whether I open my mouth or not. I think that also replies to my, that, that also applies to my silence. Some of you, the, the enemies Mirandized you 
And he's told you, you have the right to remain silent. And I'm telling you right now, you no longer have the right to remain silent. You, you no longer have the, the right to remain silent. And I'm telling you, the season of silence is over. There is a prophetic voice that is emerging unashamed. It's going to be unmuted. It's going to begin to shake the earth. Why? It's not about future and fortune. It is about life and death. A couple of years ago, I was in a place called Punta Fijo, Venezuela. And Punta Fijo is a very unusual place. It is, it is on, the, uh, on, the, uh, on the Caribbean uh, Caribbean Sea, there's oil rigs there, and there's mountains, and there's desert. It's like all of these different topographies and geographies come together. It is super hot, it is super humid, it is, uh, it is uncomfortable in the climate, but it's where all the refinery, oil refineries are there. And we were invited to do this um, pastor's conference, and at the night we would have these open meetings, and and God began to move and the meetings began to grow and we outgrew the building we were in. So we ended up going to this open air space. It was owned by Pedevesa, the Venezuelan oil company. And it was the worst place to have a meeting. You could fit a thousand people into it, but it was, um, uh, but it was really loud. There was a, a wedding hall on the right and a wedding was going on with a live band. There was a discotheque behind and they were doing all the, you know, the, the, the music and, and that was shaking all of us. There was a thatch roof bar off to the left side and, and they had another kind of music going on and, and they were just, you know, drinking it up. And, and so our team got up and tried to do praise and worship. Nobody could hear it and the, the pastor just said, we're just going to put you up and, and I couldn't hear myself think and you have all of these sounds that you're trying to drown out and and I just wanted to quit. I was just ready to say, you know what, this isn't going to work. And shut my Bible. And the Lord said, don't stop, keep going. And, and, and so right about the time I was preaching good, the Lord said, stop. So I preached a little while longer in case it wasn't the Lord. You ever been there? <laughs> he said, no, stop and speak to the woman on the other side of the wall. There was a 12-foot wall. You couldn't see past it. And he said, her, he said, her name is Anna Esther. And she just prayed what she thought was her last prayer. God, if you're real, speak to me. I'm thinking, Lord, there's a thousand people here. Why don't you give me a name? Like, is there a Jose in the room? Right? Maria, Maria, are you here? I mean, there's a thousand people right in front of me. Why are you speaking to the one out there? And I pulled up my bootstraps and I got some Holy Spirit guts. And I just entered in this trust with the Lord. Lord, I'm willing to look really, really stupid. Nothing else is working anyway. I said, Anna Esther, you're 26. You're on the other side of the wall. You just prayed what you thought was your last prayer. God, if you're real, speak to me. This is the Lord speaking to you, Anna Esther. If you can hear me on Esther, I want you to come through the wedding hall. I'm the gringo with the microphone on the stage. And I went back to preaching, hoping everybody would forget in case I missed it. And three minutes later, this beautiful girl with black hair, mascara running down her face, comes up to the front. And she freaks me out. She's got a gun in her hand and she's shaking like this. She said, my name's Anna Esther. 
She puts the gun on the altar and she falls to her knees and starts weeping. And her story was this. She had a hunch that her husband was cheating on her, went to confirm it in the discotheque, found him with his mistress, and was going to sit in his car, put the gun in her mouth and pull the trigger so that they would come out and find her later that night. She said, before I did, I leaned up against the wall and I said, God, if you're real, speak to me. She said, as soon as I said, God, if you're real, speak to me, as soon as I got quiet, you call me by name. She didn't get a word about a new house and a red Mercedes. She had a word about a God who was real, that loved her in spite of her circumstance and situation, that knew exactly where she was and where she needed. It wasn't about a conference. It wasn't about if it was convenient for us. It wasn't about the sound being right. It wasn't about having the greatest atmosphere. It was about God stepping everything for one, leaving the 99 for the one, leaving a thousand to find one outside the wall. Come on, today, her testimony is this. Her and her husband have been completely reconciled and redeemed, and now they are pastoring a church in Caracas, Venezuela. The, the missionaries had, listen, uh, a year ago, the missionaries had to leave because of the, 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 the craziness that's happening in Venezuela right now. And now you have Venezuelan national pastors. No wonder why the enemy tried to take her out. No wonder why the enemy tried to, to wipe a, a man out. No wonder why the, the enemy tried to just confuse everything. What's on the other side of your obedience? That word didn't just affect Donna Esther. That, I mean, that's a great thought, but it, it's impacting hundreds of people. It's impacting a couple hundred of us in this place this morning. I feel your heart and everything you say. I see your love and everything you've done. I get my 38th prophetic word there's somebody on the other side of the wall that hadn't got one yet what will I do with the word of the Lord that is precious I want to know there was a time in the earth where the word of the Lord was rare remember that and now everyone in this room can prophesy because Jesus, the prophet's on the inside of you. We complicate it, but it's really about saying what he's saying. It's about doing what he's doing. It's, it's about re releasing that. If you've been around, you, you've heard my story. I'm alive because of a prophetic word. Had it not been for the word of the Lord, I, I'd be dead right now. Numerous times. It's about life and death. I, I could tell you story after story after story. One of my favorites, me and my kids sometimes pray like this, Lord, put hungry people in my path and when you do, we'll open up our mouth, you can fill it and we'll give people the word of the Lord. One day we were going to Walmart and we were driving there, me and two of my boys were praying, Lord, put hungry people in our path and when you do, we'll open our mouth, you can fill it. We go in Walmart, I've, I've got to get stuff, you know, shopping, grocery shopping. And 
I'm going through the aisles and we, we prayed that prayer. And it's one of those days where nothing goes right. Ever been there? I'm putting things in the buggy. My kids are taking things out of the buggy. I have flip-flops and shorts on and one of my kids decides to run the buggy into the back of my heel and cuts me open. I think I spoke in tongues. It might have been French, but let's just say for the sake of the morning it was tongues. And, and, and I just wanted to get out of there. Like Nobody got illuminated. It wasn't like this big light came on anybody. And we, we get to the, to the checkout line and there's this huge guy, he's six foot six, he's, he's buff, he's, he's built kind of like David, but, but even bigger, no offense, he's just a little bit taller. Don't hurt me, please. Uh, and, and I get behind him and God starts speaking to me. I'm like, Lord, why not speak to me about the lady by aisle seven by the depends? That's an easy word of knowledge. <laughs> Too much for nine o'clock? Uh, I don't know. Um, but he speaks to me about this big buff guy. And so, uh, you know, I'm full of faith, but I'm also full of wisdom. So I keep the buggy between me and him. <laughs> and I said, hey, man, uh, this may sound kind of crazy, and, but I'm just standing here. And I just felt like I heard God say that he's about to bring you to the place of the restoration of all things. That he's not changed his mind about youth ministry for you and your wife and I feel like God's really about to heal your marriage and the kids you haven't seen in six months. God's going to restore. And all the charges against you are going to be dropped. And the dude starts weeping. And the cashier starts weeping. And I'm weeping. And my kids take complete advantage. <laughs> I'm talking Bubblicious, Hershey's bars, ring pops piled up high he pays for his stuff moves on I pay for mine and I turn to go towards the exit and he's standing there right by the bathrooms never forget highway 29 Walmart right in Pensacola and he's waiting for me and I come up to him and I shake his hand and it hurt uh, and not him me and and he's trembling and he's shaking my hand and it hurts really bad and I feel like he's crushing my fingers. And I'm like, Lord, this is my anointed hand. Don't let him crush that one. And, and, and he said, you don't know me, but my name is Bob. And tells me his last name. And he said, uh, me and my wife were in youth ministry before we were married. When things were going well. We, and um, we fell into sin. And she got pregnant. One Sunday we showed up at our church. And they stood us up, excommunicated us without warning. And we just went back into a life of shame and, uh, and we went back to drinking and drugging and we've had three kids. It's never been good. It's, it's been a rough marriage and she started having an affair, wanted a divorce. I didn't believe in divorce, so I didn't want to give her a divorce. And the guy she was sleeping with trumped up these charges that I was abusing my kids and they came with this big lie and I, I, I just got out of jail. I'm bond. I haven't seen my kids in six months and he's just weeping and he drops to his knees and gives his life back to the Lord right there in Walmart, tells me that, that Walmart really is America's saving place. Uh, and, and that's free, just receive it right now. Just go ahead. Go ahead. A few months later, I get a phone call and he said, I don't know if you remember me, but I met you at Walmart. 
I don't know what you're doing two weeks from Saturday, but me and my wife have been completely restored. We're renewing our wedding vows. All the charges against me were dropped. We're part of a church. And today I can tell you they are the youth pastors of the largest Baptist church in my city. It's the power of the prophetic word. It's the power of the prophetic word. In 2001, I was... um, my ministry was kicking off. I was somewhat of a prophetic prodigy. I prophesied to everything that moved. You can line up a hundred people. I had a word for every person. God was promoting me. I was traveling some. And I'm aware of the time. I'm going to try to be done in, in the next five, seven minutes. Is that all right? In the midst of this, I'm about to be ordained into ministry, me and my wife, and about two months out from that, um, in August of 2001, I'm flying home to Chicago where I grew up to for a family event. And I'm on the plane and the Lord says, you know, you think you're going for this family reunion thing, but you're really not going. I'm going to give you a word for your, your brother-in-law. And he starts speaking to me about my brother-in-law, Tom Callahan. And, and Tom um, was kind of like a hero to me. He was a, like a big brother. And he looked like he had it all together. Armani suits. He had... Um, uh, just hundreds in his pocket. He had a nice Mercedes. He, he was everything that Heidi Baker would talk about a few years later. Vice president of some electric company. He in a high, nice house in the suburbs, the two and a half dogs and a, one and a half cats and two beautiful girls that were my nieces. And the Lord started speaking to me about holes in his soul and father wounds and everything the Lord was saying was contrary to what I knew about him. Like he was a happy-go-lucky guy. I mean, he drank maybe a few too many Miller Lights or something. And, but, but other than that, he looked like he had it all together. Remember when Samuel found David? Remember when he looked at all the, the brothers? The Lord said, oh, Samuel. Man looks on the outside. But I see the heart. And he gives me this word, and I don't know quite what to do with it. Um, I mean, I can prophesy to church people. That's pretty easy. Well, it's family, man. There's a separation between church and family. There's a separation between this thing, or so we think. It never happened before, but Tom picks me up and drives me to my mom's house. And we talked about the cubs and the, the bears and the bulls and the, all the things that don't matter in the scheme of eternity. We'd see him three more times, and every time I'd see him, the Lord would say, tell him what I said, tell him what I said. And Tuesday morning came, and he drives me back to the airport and grabbed my bag, and I hug him, and I... walked through the doors of Midway Airport and I just simply prayed this chicken prayer. God send somebody else. And Lord whispered back, you were that somebody else. 9-11 happened, changed our world forever. A little over a month later, the night before I was being ordained, I received a phone call from my sister that my brother-in-law sat in his car after dinner and put a gun in his mouth and pulled the trigger. 
And I knew at that moment, the blood of a man that probably busted the gates of hell wide open was on my hands. Because I didn't open my mouth. It wasn't convenient. It's what compels me every day to do what I do. The very thing that God saved me from. It's created a sense of urgency in me that, that I just can't waltz past. Let, let me read this as I close. My, my first assignment after ordination was to fly to Chicago and preach the funeral of that, my brother-in-law. And I did then what I did today. I told the whole truth. And 13 people got saved at his casket, including his cocaine dealer and his bookie and his friends. I'll never forget it. Ezekiel 37, there's an Ezekiel 37 anointing coming upon the rock. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. I thought the Holy Spirit only brought us into green pastures and places that were fun and nice. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface, in the open valley, and behold, they were very, very dry, hopeless. If you understand the valley of dry bones, if you literally interpret it, it means the place of lowest esteem. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered him, O Lord God, only you know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to the bones. And behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and you will cause, it will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin. And I'll put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. If you understand what it says here, as I commanded, it really means this. So I did my job. What happens when you do your job? What happens when you open your mouth? And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Let me back up. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling. There's about to be a shaking and a rattling in Castle Rock. There's about to be a shaking and a rattling. When you begin to prophesy, dry bones are coming awake. Dry bones are about to be realigned. Dry bones are about to come together. They came together bone to bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them. And skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. You could have all the structure in the world, my friends. But if you don't have the breath, you're still dead. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied, I did my job. As he commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. 
You may see dry bones around you, but I see an army. A few hundred years ago, all over Europe, there was a plague called the rubonic plague or the black plague. And people were dying faster than they could do funerals or, or people dying than they had caskets. And so they'd often put a person in a casket and do the funeral and they'd open it up, take the body out, put another body in. And when they did, they found out that there were claw marks on the top of some of the caskets because they didn't have the technology we have today and they would just go by pulse and maybe a stethoscope that wasn't so scientific and they, would, they found that they were burying people alive. And it caused them to do something. They realized there was a problem so they began to tie bells on the fingers of the people they were putting in the caskets. They put people in the graveyards to listen for the sound of the ringing bells. It's where we get the word graveyard shift and dead ringer. The person in the graveyard, his assignment was to listen. If he heard the sound of a ringing bell, he would run to the sound of the ringing and he would dig as fast as he could and he would pull people out. Also, I can tell you it's this morning, after the great conference we had, after the amazing night we had, I woke up to this sound. One planning on this message at all. I had asked Mike if he knew where I could get a bell. They gave it to me from the kids' church. He said, son, Castle Rock is filled with dead ringers. They're not coming to your conference. They're not coming to the church. But I've anointed the rock to be anointed as grave diggers to listen for the sound of the broken and the lost and the hurting and the addicted and the tormented and the demonized, the abused, the forgotten, the homeless, the lost. I'm anointing them to come and dig them out. There are some of you, and I know it's Sunday morning, the nine o'clock service. A lot of us have our church face on, our church clothes on. But you feel like this. You come in and struggle and you feel like I got to struggle alone nobody gets it nobody understands I come to church but I still leave depressed I'm still addicted to porn I still struggle with drugs and alcohol my marriage is a mess my life's a mess I've lost everything my I'm on the brink of bankruptcy I'm about to lose my house and and you feel like nobody hears you and all I can tell you is this morning this 46 your old chubby little prophet, handsome as he is, <laughs> heard the sound of the bell this morning. And all I can tell you is that the Lord sent me, maybe for the conference, but probably more so than this. I've been here to dig you out. I know what it's like to be suicidal. I know what it's like to be addicted and tormented. I know what it's like to be in ministry even and feel all alone. If you feel like a dead ringer this morning, you feel like you are struggling all alone. Maybe you feel like my friend Bob, that God he encountered God at Walmart. Maybe you feel like the woman on the other side of the wall. God, if you're real, speak to me. Today, if you feel like you're a dead ringer, here's what I want you to do. I don't have time to, to kind of give you an opportunity to close your eyes and bow your heads and raise your hands. If, if you say, this is me, David, I, I'm struggling today and I need somebody to dig me out. I need God to come and dig me out and release resurrection life. I need a shaking and a 
are rattling so my bones come back together. I need the breath of God to come on me. If I'm, I'm talking to you, you're, you're somehow struggling, you're tormented, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're a dead ringer in this place this morning, whether you're one or a hundred, I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to run to the front of this place as you come. I'm telling you, the breath of God is about to come. The breath of God is about to breathe on you this morning. Come on right now, I hear the sound, I hear the sound, I hear the sound. I hear the sound. Come on, right now. You don't have to struggle alone. You don't have to suffer alone. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Come on, right now. Right now, in this place. Maybe you lost it all to find it all. Maybe you feel like, Lord, I've lost my mind. Maybe you lost your mind to find his heart this morning. Holy Spirit, right now, do what only you can do. Lord, I know we're limited on time, but Lord, I'm asking God by your power, by your grace, by your love, Lord, that love would come crashing in, Lord, in this place. That, Lord, you would come on these sons and these daughters that have just come honestly this morning. I I hear the sound. I hear the sound. I hear the sound. I hear the sound. But I also hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind. I I hear a sound. I hear a sound. I hear the sound of the suddenly. Come on, right now, those of you come, it's not going to take a long time. He's coming suddenly. And as we close this morning, maybe you're not ringing the bell, but God's fine-tuning your ear to hear the bell. You'll hear the bell in the most inconvenient places, in the most inconvenient times. found that God never shows up when it's convenient. You want to be anointed to be a grave digger this morning? I'd stand to your feet. You want that Ezekiel anointing? You want to prophesy to dry bones? I know this is serious after an amazing conference. There was a lot of joy, and and there's joy here this morning. Listen, I I know this may seem like a heavy message, but there's joy. The joy is that God is good. The truth is that you are loved. The truth is no matter what your circumstance or situation, that today is a day of turnaround. The fact of the matter is you may have watched people dancing and screaming and singing and all of those things, and you may not have felt like it last night, but God's about to give you your joy back. He's about to give you your song back. He's about to give you your dream back. He's about to give you your hope back. Come on, I feel like right now that the Lord has put an anointing on the rock to be a catalyst of hope and healing for Colorado, hope and healing for America, the hope and the healing, a catalyst of hope and healing for the nations of the earth. Come on, do you hear the sound this morning? 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 I pray you go to sleep hearing the sound. I pray you wake up tomorrow morning hearing the sound. I I pray that you hear it in your classroom. I I pray that you hear it in your work cubicle tomorrow. I I pray you hear it in the university campus. I I pray you hear it in your office, on your job site, next to the guy you're digging ditches with. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you. Lord, right now, in this moment, I'm going to ask the ministry team to come. Pray for those that are in the front. I, I know I'm over time. Please forgive me, children's church and parking people and all of those things. But this may be one of the most important messages of my life. Because it's my life message. Not something I'm just preaching this morning at random. It's something I'm living in right now in the name of Jesus. 
Lord, I pray over those standing. But I release that Ezekiel anointing. Lord, I don't know. I, we had impartation yesterday. But Lord, right now, over everyone within the sound of my voice, Lord, I release all that I carry and more. Lord, for whatever it's worth, whatever the value of that is, God, Lord, I ask that you would give upon these sons, these daughters, this amazing church called the Rock, Lord, that's become family to me. I pray right now that you would release the anointing of the dead ringer. You would release the anointing of the grave diggers, of that Ezekiel anointing. Lord, right now, Lord, we want to be grave robbers. We want to rob the enemy. Lord, we want to, we want to be those positioned three steps from hell, God. We want to be those, right? We want to interrupt a funeral procession, God. We want to go to the places of the most impossible, the darkest places in Denver and in Colorado and in Castle Rock. And we want to declare, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, it's not just our philosophy. It's not just a core value. It's who we are because it's who you are. And Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, upon those who've come bravely and boldly. But I pray that you would awaken dry bones. Come on, man. I speak life and life more abundantly into you. Life and life more abundantly. Resurrection life is coming to your dream. Resurrection life is coming to your ideas. Resurrection life is coming into your family. Lord, right now in Jesus' name. It's the year where prodigals are returning. In Jesus' name. The Bible says, Psalm 118, he draws near to the brokenhearted. Lord, right now, draw near to this son. Lord, I release healing right now from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Heal every hole in his soul. You're no longer going to be on the outside looking in. You're going to be on the inside of what God's doing, looking out. There's a perspective change. You're your own worst critic, son. Today, the Lord's taking the whip out of your hand. In Jesus' name, I release healing. I release healing right now from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. But I command, Lord, every pain, even unseen pain, unfelt pain. Lord, I think you right now, it's lifting, it's going right now. In Jesus' name, but I speak life. Lord, I release the river of life to her. In Jesus' name, go now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Lord, right now, no more sabotage, no more spiritual sabotage, no more destiny sabotage. In Jesus' name. Come on, I see a rose in the form of a bud, and that bud's about to open. Come on, this is going to be your season where you're about to bloom and blossom where you're planted. In Jesus' name. Healing is the children's bread. It belongs to you. Make it a part of you today. Come on, right now, in Jesus' name. Jesus, I release healing. I release hope. The healing of hope right now. In Jesus' name. Come on, it's a year to stay at the table. Stay at the table. Communion, God's opening lines of communication. I don't know what it is. I just felt like people shut you off or shut you out, even tried to shut you up, but you're about to get your voice back. There's about to be reconnections and there's about to be a season of reconnection. 2018, year of redemption, year of reconnection, year of freedom. Lord, right now, Lord, I declare that today every ounce of depression is coming off of her. Circumstantial, situational, chemical. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, I silence the voice of suicide. I silence the voice of that spirit that would, would come against her right now in the name of Jesus. And I say 
you shall live, you shall live, you shall live, you shall live, you shall live. I speak life into you. I'm not saying you had a plan. I'm not saying, I'm just saying the enemy's been assaulting you. I'm saying that the enemy has been coming against you and robbing you of sleep and rest. And today your sleep is changing. Right now I command night terrors to end in Jesus name. Nightmares, this nightmare to be over in Jesus name. In Jesus name. So all I can tell you is that I looked at you this morning off to my right hand side and the Lord said I changed your message for him I've come for a thousand people at a conference and a couple hundred here this morning but I always ask the Lord show me the one When I saw your face, the Lord said, he's the one I sent you here for this morning. He's the reason I woke you up again. He's the reason I put the word of the Lord in your mouth again. He's the reason why you couldn't go home this morning. You had to stay till this afternoon. He's the one. He's the one because he's my son. And brother, I'm telling you right now, the spirit and the seal of adoption is coming upon you. You've had the hardest time with this whole Papa thing. And every time you hear it, it's just like you almost want to shut down. But I'm telling you right now, the love of a father who believes in you, the love of a father who affirms you, the love of a father that says that you are good enough, the love of a father that tells you that you are well able, the love of a father. I'm telling you that you're about to encounter the father and the father's love like never before. And I just feel right now that every fear of failure is being broken off of you today. The paralysis by analysis is being broken off today. The being paralyzed by fear is being broken off today. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, come on, it's not about help this morning. It's about hope this morning. You know why you've been under such pressure and attack? Because you've got an amazing call of God on your life. I don't believe in comparison. I believe we all have our own unique, special deal, but... When I looked at you, I saw me. And I'm just telling you right now, I don't have just sympathy for you or empathy for you. And I, I feel faith for you. Faith and hope are rising right now. God's about to create a position for you that doesn't even exist yet. I feel like some of the pressure has been financial pressure because you just haven't found that niche yet. It's like I've done all the training, I've gone through all the school, I got the pieces of paper and nothing's opening up. You even begin to question, do I even need to be here? Do, I, do we need to move? Do we need to go somewhere else? And, and I'm telling you right now, your there is here. Your there is here. Holy Spirit right now. You're about to make a way. God's about to show up in your family, man. He's about to multiply your family. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name. You're a great wife. You're a great spiritual nurse. You got such a nurturing nature in you. 
You know what I've learned is we can cry out for it, but God really doesn't fix us. Like God fix him and God fix her. And he doesn't do that. He, he just heals and restores. Nothing needs to be fixed. Your hope just needs to be healed. Proverbs 13 and 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Welcome, welcome to the season of the longing fulfilled. But I thank you for their miracle marriage, for their miracle babies, for their miracle house, for their miracle jobs, for their miracle family, for their miraculous salvation of siblings and parents and family members, and for the miraculous salvation of neighbors, for the amazing call both to the mission field domestically and abroad. Lord, right now, let a prophetic voice rise up. Let a prophetic voice arise up. Let a prophetic voice arise up. It's all right to say I'm not all right. And it's okay to say I'm not okay. Because that's just an invitation of honesty to be healed. Come out of the cave, Elijah. 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 Remember that victory on Mount Carmel again. Remember when I called fire down from heaven and I came and I consumed it? Remember when the head of Jezebel rolled? Do you remember that? Come out of the cave, Elijah. Come out of the cave, Elijah. You shall prophesy. You will prophesy. You will prophesy. Lord, all that I carry and more, Lord, I release upon him right now. In Jesus' name, there's a wave coming. The wave of the love of God is about to sweep over you. The season of trying is over. The season of trusting has come. Holy Spirit, right now, thanks for sending me here for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise this morning. And I just declare right now that the rock has received an Ezekiel anointing or to prophesy to dry bones. In Jesus' name. We're going to release, but if, if you, we could just do it quietly, just as we're ministering up here. If you want ministry, if you want to just come up for prayer, please come up. By the way, I just want to remind everyone, the buckets are in the back. We want to bless David Wagner and, and the ministry that he has. Uh, so if, you, if God puts it on your heart, uh, have an awesome week. Go with him. Let's be grave diggers. Amen.